Right. Okay. So we've done the 10 second silence. We've clapped to synchronize. Yep. Yep. We're all ready to go. Okay. Right. Now, uh, you need to uh, roll for the opening of the show. Okay. Okay. Oh. Oh, crit fail. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you, you start talking about things that are going to be in the show and an idea of what people might expect in the episode. Yeah. Uh, but then your head just falls off and rolls down the street. Oh, no. That is not how we want the opening of a show to go. No. I mean, that's at least slightly slightly discombobulating. And and you'll probably need your head for the rest of the show. That's going to be a critical disadvantage for that's, the rest of the show. That's that's terrible. That's that's a real shame. Yeah, that's going to make it real difficult to tell people what we've watched, listened to, and or played, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, uh, and and I'm afraid you're going to have to take a disadvantage on silly voices as well. Well, I mean, considering how my throat's doing this week, I was going to take a disadvantage on that anyway. So that's double disadvantage on silly oh, voices. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's um roll for intro. Hey. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Eyre's Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where, so long as my voice holds out, two queer trans ladies talk about things we've played, listened to, uh, watched, we do, we do some skits and silly voices. How are you doing this week, Jane? I'm alright. I'm expecting that next week's podcast will be like the exact opposite of this. Yeah. You will be recovered. I will be coming down with it. I hope you don't come down with, with whatever this is. I think it's... it's we're a closed system. It's going to happen. Yeah. This is the problem. I, I travelled. I, I went out after travelling. Just lots of being around people and being very tired. And oops, I caught the lurgy. Oops, all lurgies. Yeah. So I've been, I've been a bit... I've been a bit struggly this week, but I'm here. I'm fine. We're doing a show. You're here. You're queer. We're inside your ears. Something like that. So, should we get on with the first segment of the show? Yeah, what have you played? What have I played? So many played things. Um, so, should I talk about the, the thing I, I played while I was away first? Okay. Yeah, so this last week, um, last time we recorded the show, I was in the Netherlands. You were? Because uh, there was a, uh, in the city of Utrecht, there was a um, a sustainability-centric game jam going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. Basically, a bunch of second-year game development students from across this uh, Dutch city were put into, like, four different camps making games about... Uh, some of them were about food sustainability, some were about things like um, local councils' sustainable development goals, some were about like uh, lacking faith in, in science and uh, evidence, and then some were to do with trying to create radical visions of the future. And um, yeah, radical. yeah. Now, now that the, the game jam is finished, um, obviously these games have got about seven weeks of development still to do before their final deadline, but... First prototypes have been put together, and I went through and beta- played a bunch of them. Um, some of them are still very rough around the edges, but there's a couple of them in particular that I wanted to highlight because I think that they definitely show promise, and I'm really interested to see what they uh, how they turn out. So, uh, first one I wanted to talk about was a game called Harm to Table, and it is a local split-screen co-op game where one player is... Um, working on a farm, basically producing food that's going to eventually get shipped and sold to supermarkets. And the other side is a player 
um, doing a sort of silly rushing around a, a supermarket. They've got a shopping list. They're trying to collect all the items by bumping their cart into things. And the actions of the players on both sides of this little co-op game will impact the experience the other is having. Um, you know, if if certain items are being purchased way too often, uh, that might create um, demand that sort of prices the farmers out of the market. Or, you know, there's there's interesting back and forth between how the farming side and the consumer side interact that sort of impact each other and trying to teach people about, like, hey, here's some silly fun gameplay mechanics, but also learn about sustainable practices in where your food comes from. Um, it's a really cool little idea. I've, I'm always a fan of asynchronous games where both players are doing different but connected activities. Mm. Um, and it's definitely one of the ideas that I think if it's if it's developed properly, could be a really good little game. Mm. So uh, that's one. Do you want me to keep going with these? Yeah, let's, so let's just get, get these out these. in a in a big batch. Um, I wanted to talk about Simfluencer as well, which is another really interesting one. Um, I I think I talked a little bit about this last week because it was one of the earlier uh, concepts that came together. Basically, it's a little fake social media app where real world uh things that are going on right now are are prompts in the game so you might have something like hey those australian wildfires are happening what's what's going to be basically your twitter response and you've got a couple of things to pick from and you know they range from depressing but accurate through to maybe completely disinterested in the topic and just ignoring that it's happening or uh, at the bottom end, you might do something that is a completely disingenuous or clickbaity or inaccurate uh, tweet. And depending on what tweets you you put out into the world, um, you watch as your sort of follower number changes, but also your level of credibility is impacted. Um, for example, things m- might happen like if you post a lot of stuff that is 100% accurate but is just completely bleak and you never never skip a single bleak story the world is going to get a little more depressed out your window because there's only so much bleak we can take as people and um, I'm curious to see how this game develops uh, over the, the next couple of months because mm. obviously there's really interesting room for, for uh, critique there assuming that they sort of develop those ideas properly but mm. It's a really polished little demo, and um, it seems to, at least with this this demo where it's at currently, be making some interesting, some interesting comments on social media usage. I don't know if I agree with them all, but I think that they are valid, interesting takes. I'm curious to see where they go. Um, what were the other ones I wanted to talk about? Um, Me sad sadshi, uh, which sort of translates from Dutch as my town is a little mini-game collection um, focused on teaching about the 17 global sustainability goals that Utrecht, plus a bunch of other cities around the world, are currently trying to focus on achieving with their cities. It's a bunch of goals that are things like um, aiming to eventually have zero carbon emissions or 100% renewable energy. They're all pretty globally applicable aims that it would be fantastic to work towards. Mm. Um, and the idea of this little minigame collection is in the vein of something like that Dumb Ways to Die uh, little phone game. It's all just little little interactive minigames, but that are designed to 
teach about different aspects of sustainability. So, uh, of the 17 uh, goals, currently the, the prototype's got two minigames implemented. Uh, I think the one that's probably most interesting so far is uh, one where you've got to very, very quickly against the clock sort uh, rubbish into various uh, recycling or trash bins. Mm. And there's stuff in there that's deliberately designed to try and throw you off and teach you about things that you like may have real been... real recycling. Yeah, that, that may have... The, teaching you about things that you may have been recycling incorrectly. So a great example is um, there are two types of pizza boxes that you might come across in this little mini game. One is like a box for a frozen pizza where the contents were sort of shrink-wrapped and frozen and haven't stained the cardboard in any way. That can be recycled because it's clean, non-food waste cardboard. Versus like a Domino's or a Pizza Hut takeaway box where you can see all the stains from where all the grease is soaked into it. Gotta and that one out. Yeah, you can't recycle that one. You've got to chuck that in the regular trash because it's food contaminated and therefore can't be recycled. Mm -hmm. It's stuff like that. It's It's about like getting you to very quickly sort these things based on instinct and then afterwards going, ah, yeah, you can't do that though. Um, that seems a really that seems a really interesting one as well. Like it's mm. it's trying to find fun, silly, mechanical ways to teach people things that are actively applicable that they can action upon in life, and that you know that are good good things to learn. It's it's the kind of game I could certainly see being used in like a school with young kids to sort of be like, hey, here's a fun game, but you learnt something. Mm. And the last one I wanted to talk about that I think the, the demos come together really well is Life is Fair, F-A-R-E. Um, I was a little worried about this game initially because the when the game jam started, for the first couple of days, this game seemed mechanically like it was basically going to be Papers, Please. Um, it was initially about being a train conductor, um, handing out train uh, ticket fares, and there was a big financial pressure for you to get through these people as fast as possible. Uh, you ended up having to make assumptions about people in order to hit your quotas. It was very papers, please. Uh, they, since then, the prototype has actually evolved and I think has done a decent job of differentiating itself. Um, it's now set in a future world where a lot of problems have... Uh, societal problems have basically been eliminated. Um, there's universal basic income, so you don't have to worry about... Um, about not being able to eat or or, or anything like that. Uh, public transport has replaced all personal cars and things, so that's cut down on carbon emissions. And the game doesn't present its characters as having differentiating f features that you might see discriminated against today. So um, you're not picking between these characters based on uh, race, gender, disability, etc. They're all pretty featureless, similar-looking people. Um, what so with with none of society's current factors to discriminate against, um, basically you don't have to rush through doing your train conducting, but there is a leaderboard that is keeping track of who is the most efficient train conductors. And you can take your time to go through every single customer on the train, check whether they have a valid ticket. If they don't, give them a fine, do your job properly. But you're barely going to break into the top thousand uh, train conductors in terms of efficiency. And what you might start noticing is, for example, when I played through it, uh, I, I went through a train where every single person without fail who had a blue shirt on uh, didn't have a ticket. 
And it's starting to see if you pick up on these like little biases and go, okay, well, I kind of want to get higher in those rankings. And reliably, only people with blue shirts and everyone with blue shirts needed fining. Maybe I'll just go through the next train and just find everyone with blue shirts. And maybe that works. And maybe you end up like in the top 100 on the, the thing. And you're like, oh, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. You start speeding up. And then you go through a train where that's not the case. And you've accidentally fined a bunch of people who shouldn't have been fined and missed a bunch of people who should have been fined because, oops, you acted on prejudices and rushed to try and get a high score. Um, it seems an interesting... It feels like a whole comment on the whole quotas thing, like, um, well, uh, universal basic income, PIP assessments, mm. things like that, where the government were deliberately failing people. Um, uh, the, like... Uh, retail work where you talked yeah. about like working in a checkout where it's a case of just get it done as fast as possible. Well, exactly. Like I feel like it's trying to do some interesting stuff with um obviously you could compare this to things like um Amazon warehouse workers yeah. where unreasonable deadlines mean that people are having to cut corners ridiculously. Um yeah it's parking enforcement officers. Yeah exactly. But then on top of that like I the I get the impression that they, they want to make a bit of a commentary on the fact that people, uh, humans as a species, are really prone to putting pattern things into boxes and pattern recognition. And even if you strip away factors like gender, race, disability, things like that, humans still notice patterns and have a real hard time not making assumptions based on them. Mm. Um it's a really interesting concept, and I currently the demo's pretty short, but... But it also seems to teach you that you can't win in this life by not making those patterns. Well, here's the thing, is you're not going to get high on that scoreboard, but is that really what you need to do? Because you've got universal basic income, you're not going to lose your job, you're not going to be unable to feed your family. Like, it's totally valid to play through this game. Uh, there's dialogue. If you If you don't rush through all the people, you can have little conversations with all the people on the train, learn a bit about their lives... You can, you can actually have quite a nice little job going through, like, manually checking everyone's tickets and learning about the people on the train. Um, if you can just resist that urge to go, yeah, but I want the big number, though. It's... it's yeah. yeah. It's a little scattershot on what its focus is right now, and I'm hoping that over the next few weeks it can sort of hone in on what it wants to be a critique of, but... I think it's definitely done a lot to set itself aside from things like Papers, Please, uh, Not Tonight, which is the, the Brexit-esque uh, Papers, Please game. I'm interested to see where that one goes. Um, so yeah, what about you? What have you been playing this week? Um, not a huge amount, actually. I, I booted up Million, Million Onion Hotel for the first time in a really long time. Oh, yes. I am still bad at that, but I like to tap the onions and make onion things happen. I mean, it's quite fun to tap the onions. It's fun to keep tapping the onions and tap the bigger onions and then repeatedly tap the asparagus. Oh, the asparagus. Yeah, I think it's asparagus. I think so. Yeah, it's, um... It's a fun little game of, of trying to do, like, combo matching and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm not super good at the combos, but it's just, like, really charming watching the little onions and the tennis ball or smiley face, whatever it is, it's rolling a, around. It's a real sweet little game. The the weird interstitial um, cut like, scene. Cut scene yeah. Things, little vignettes are, are, are not entirely sure what's going on with there yet. I feel like there there is a big story, but I, I've 
not really understood or seen a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, it's a little, it's a little vague at the start. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit surreal. But yeah, for a mobile game, it's good fun, and I remember, yeah. uh, like, I remember getting it a long time ago based on like I think you and Jim talking about it. Yeah. But um, it's it's one that sort of sat there in my games folder, not getting played because. When I need to mindlessly not play, not think and play a game, I'll usually go for a Sudoku. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But yeah, a million onion hotel. I tap all the onions. Tappy tap tap. Tappy tap tap. Tappy tap the onion face. <laughs> it's really well made for a good for for a mobile game. It is. It is quite a fun little game. Mm-hmm. What about you? You got any others? Uh, the only other thing I've played really this week is I've continued with that Nuzlocke playthrough of Pokemon Shield. Oh. Um. I've made it through the fifth gym now, so, you know, that's a positive. Um, I made it past the, what was it, the fairy-type gym. On the not-so-positives, I did lose my starter Pokemon. Yeah, that was a real bummer. Uh, against the fourth gym, which was a ghost-type gym, um, I just had a real unlucky hit with a Pokemon. I, was, I, I knew I was going to have to take a hit from a Pokemon, and I was like... Look, my my Sobble, uh, it's fully evolved to an Inteleon now. I'm sure they can, they, they've got full health. I can probably switch into them and they can take a hit pretty well. They can um, not take a hit. Well, here's the problem. Um, I expected them to take a, may, around half my health, and I was like, I can deal with that. They got an unexpected critical hit, and there's nothing I could have done about it. Like... My, it was, it was, I, I've looked back over the footage. It was statistically the best choice I could have made. It was just a really poorly timed crit when I desperately needed it not to happen. Um, but after putting a lot of uh, press after pay respects in the chat, uh, we soldiered on. We now have a big metal bell with arms that is our steel-type Pokemon. That got us through the fairy-type gym unharmed. I, f- I finally got my first electric-type. I got a, a Joltic, little uh, electric dog. I've still got a pretty good spread of types, like I've got, uh, what have I got? I've got a water type, I've got a rock type, I've got a grass type, I've got a fighting type, a steel type, an electric type, a fire type. I'm feeling pretty comfortable with the team I've got, That like, and I've still got a good over half a dozen. I think I've got like eight Pokemon in reserve still alive, so I'm feeling okay with my chances right now. But yeah, losing my starter was, was rough. Uh, have you played anything else this week? We played some Magic the Gathering. Yeah, we did. I feel like we've talked about that a lot recently. I mean, <laughs> it's a thing we've played a lot recently. It is. Uh, yeah, we, we did another Theros draft. Yeah. Well, not a draft. We we, we grabbed six packs each and yeah. cracked some packs and built some decks. and We we built draft-sized decks, um, but from just opening packs. Yeah. Because apparently that's easy with two people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I built a little green and red deck. Yeah, it was it was very good. You you got a nice little combo. You got your um, the labyrinth thing and the the minotaur that goes with it. Oh yes, yes. So I I can sort of target specific creatures rather than you know relying on you to to you know defend with that thing if mm-hmm. I want to destroy something specific. Yeah. I was quite enjoying that hydra that kept sort of doubling one of my creature's strength every turn, hmm. uh, which comboed really nicely with give it some wings so it has flying and then give it hexproof. So it's like, oh, this is getting real strong and it can fly and you can't magic it. Oh, speaking of hexproof, double check that rolling. Apparently you can cast enchantments and spells on your own creatures with hexproof. Okay, yeah, it's just the opponent can't do spells. 
Okay, that's that's fair. I built a green green white deck. Yeah. Again, <laughs> it still wasn't a good choice. Um, I did a bad job, but um, then I sort of went through and and fucked about. I then built a a blue black deck. Mm. Um, you you had a pretty successful round where you you milled my deck down real real powerfully. Yeah, you had a I think good you still one. I I still I still won, but I was down to like two cards left in my deck. You almost had me on that. Yeah. You you had a real good mill loop going. You I milled did. out like half of my deck, plus like a bunch of my most powerful cards. Yes, and, and most of the land you needed to cast your big thing. You didn't. Did you manage to get Urzo um, out in the end? Oh, I got Urzo out once or twice. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, you did. I think you did all right there with with that. Um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I've now refined that blue black second blue black deck I made into yes. a full six sixty two card black blue deck because <laughs> I can't bring myself to delete anything else. I mean, out of we it. we've all been there with with deck building. <laughs> just like looking at it, just like no. I want all of you. I want all of you. It's only got twenty one lands in it as well. Sorry, it's got 21 mana sources. It doesn't even have 21 land in it. Um, it's got that Nyx Lotus in it. Because I pulled oh, that yes. out. Um, it's got... Oh, God, no. Goodness. Um, it's got the Nyx Lotus. It's got a bunch of uh, Underworld Dreams for uh, Black Devotion. It's got the Altar of the Pantheon. Oh, um, that so adds, add Add colourless mana, or mana of your choice, and adds to Devotion... Um, mm. there's a couple of, like, dual-colour land. It's the first time I've sort of properly dabbled with dual-colour land. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to play against that. Mm-hmm. Nah, I'm excited to get a chance, because I finally pulled a fucking Ashiok uh, Nightmare Muse. Yeah. The card I really wanted out of Theros. Hooray. Now I have it. That's good. My evil death, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then. Time for this. Time for this. Mm. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, are you ready to uh, pop a, a skit in here? Nay! You're not, not, not feeling up for a, for a skit? Nay! But, but, you know, like, we do uh, a bit, and then we do two skits, and then we do, like, another bit. Nay! Okay, so we're on episode 104. I thought you'd have picked up the format by now, but... So what we do, we do, like, a, a, a bit, we talk about some stuff. Nay! No, we do, we definitely do that. <laughs> I edit, I edit the skits between the, the chat bit. No. I do! I've been yeah. doing it all this... <sighs> I'm, I'm... Oh, wait. Are you a little horse? Mm-hmm. Oh. Every year, millions of people around the world have to suffer mild discomfort. On the surface, they could just appear like you or I. Deep down inside, some part of them is getting lost making their lives feel incomplete. Give just £2 a month, and you can help us stop people's socks falling down inside their shoes. So, oh, what have you put in your eyes? Uh, not a huge amount, because we've been uh, travelling so much this week, but... Um, well, you've been travelling a lot. Okay, I've been travelling a lot. Um, we, uh, I, I watched, last last week when we recorded, I think I was a couple of episodes away from the end of, of the final season of BoJack Horseman. Uh, I've seen, I've seen right to the end of that show now. Um, 
I was definitely spoiled by watching the Good Place finale not long before <laughs> it because fucking nothing is as good a satisfying conclusion as that. Um, here's what I'll say about the BoJack finale. I don't necessarily think that where BoJack as a character ends up is particularly satisfying or earned, but I think that the the final episode or two does have some really strong moments. Um, I think there is a moment where that show could have ended more impactfully, mm. and I kind of wish it had done. I wish it had been confident enough to sort of end where it seemed like it was leading itself to end. It's interesting, because as soon as you said that, I was like, I bet it's this, and you were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it, that, that final episode or two, um, there is quite a depressing, dark section toward the end, and there's a particular bit in it. There's basically a, a poem read uh, by a character that if nothing else in that finale, that poem was incredibly well written and powerfully performed and I've downloaded it onto my phone and I keep going back to it because I find it just it's a lot. It's quite heavy and dark but um, I need to get back and listen to the last two seasons of Bojack because yeah. I just dropped out at some point. Yeah, that it's it's quite a powerful piece of media that's going to stick with me that this this one little poem that was a part of the last couple of episodes more so than actually how the show ended. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, what about you? Um oh, I watched the 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 do- the Dorkley. The Dorkley. The, you you know, you know Dorkley, the, yes. uh, the 8-bit cartoons that have just about Maybe a surviving, maybe College Team's death. It's well, unclear I, at the moment. I mean, I don't really know what's going on at the moment, but yeah. it was the uh, the last villains. Oh God! Uh, was it the the last villains who need an assistant episode? Yeah. And wow, they they were not fucking about with that. Huh? Yeah. So <laughs> usually, Google and Facebook. Yeah. So usually the 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 uh, the, the assistant series that Dorkley does is his, you know, Bowser's assistant, and it's just someone sat behind a desk being like. Why are you wasting all this money on Goombas that walk left to right? Why not just lock them in a room full of all fireballs or something? And here it's like, oh, I'm being the assistant to some real villains, Google and Facebook. Yep. And, yeah, they didn't pull any punches, particularly with uh, their criticisms of Facebook. (laughs) Desperately wanting to be a video source. Long form video on Facebook, that's the way to go. Gosh, yeah, for Dorkley in particular, that's quite a... uh, Yep. Quite a stab. Yeah, because that fucked over a lot of people. A lot yeah. of people now don't have jobs, including people working for Dorkley. Yeah. Ugh. Fuck Facebook. Fuck Facebook. Well, uh, have you watched anything else? Um, just because I needed like good comfort watching while I was away. Um, stuff that like wasn't too plot related, so if I fell asleep it wouldn't be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm still in big excitement mode about my comical romance shows in the summer, mm-hmm. I went and rewatched through um, uh, Diet Shampoo is the uh, the user on uh, Instagram and YouTube who uploaded my comical romance return the Shrine LA reunion show, which is a full recording of their uh, LA reunion show. This is the one that you were uh, watching on the This night. is the one that I was watching on Instagram live at the time. They mm-hmm. basically stitched it all together into a full, like, here's all the best sources that we could find, and here's just a recording of the whole show. Um, and I just sat and rewatched through that, because of course I did. I'm, I'm a big, big old nerd. 
What about you? What else have you been watching? Um, I watched some Beyond the Brick on YouTube. Um, yeah. They did a, or, or had on there, a, a build of uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, Link's house from... Um, uh, that he buys before going onto the Tarrytown mission. Oh yeah, yeah. And you can take the take the the roof off and look inside, and it's got spaces to put all the uh, like all the different weapons on. The oh, um, it's really nicely detailed. Like the top roof of the house, it's got sort of a like it's it's all une- uneven texture. Mm. It looks really good. Um, there's a couple of other like sort of scene bits from a, a, around the world. It's They've done a really beautiful job of Aww. all these little um, Breath of the Wild things. They did, um, oh, is it Naboru? The the elephant? Oh, yes, Naboru, yes. Yeah, they've, they did, they've done a build of, of that. Um, that looks really amazing with like um, a, a spout of water coming out of the, the trunk. Um, and they really captured like the sort of clockwork and... and um, slightly natural looking design or a biological design mm. uh, they did a really good job with that and then they did a little um, uh, like the the guardians yeah they were they, they came out really well and um, like miniature versions of all of the the, the guardian mm. uh, they did really good versions of all the, like miniature versions of all of the divine beasts mm. they look really good awesome yeah and that's uh, beyond the brick on YouTube Nice. Oh. You got any others? Uh, we watched a thing together. Yes. We watched through the entirety of season one of Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts yeah. on Netflix. Uh, that's a real good show. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I was expecting. I was, it was recommended to me by um, Nick, who was our DM mm. on um, the first episode of uh, first series of Curiosity Ep- Epidemic. But, like, oh, God, it was so good. Yeah, I'd heard very high praise for this uh, this show from a lot of people I know who have similar tastes to me in things like um, Avatar The Last Airbender, The Dragon Prince. Steven um, Universe. Steven Universe. Good, queer, um, kind of dark in places, emotionally complex uh, animated family shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least based on season one, Kipo really feels worth putting up in that sort of high echelon of... Definitely. Possibly even slightly higher. Yeah, it's... Like, it didn't piss about by going, oh, this character is is, is not straight. Um, oh, and, yes. And, and we're, we're not going to say it, but, you know, they're, they're not going to have any, like, uh, opposite uh, gender um, attraction. So, uh, uh, um, um, you just... This kid just comes out and goes, I'm gay. Yeah, yeah, they... This show is real good about actually being direct about representation. Yeah. Um, as as you say, yeah, there there is a a character who, for about two minutes, it looks like they're going to set up a heterosexual romance plot, and then it's like, nope, this character just comes out and says they're gay. Yep. And then we have a couple of instances later in the series where they swoon over other characters and. Oh. And that scene was adorable. That was adorable. I was so happy the other person swooned back. It was adorable. Double swoon. Double swoon. Um, but yeah, should we talk about the general premise? Um, humans largely now live underground, and it seems like they they were pushed underground maybe by some kind of um, nuclear. Some, some kind of post. Uh, some kind of apocalyptic event. Some kind of apocalyptic 
apocalyptic event that meant that a lot of animals became mutated and now are sort of humanoid, maybe have humanoid intelligence. Um, they have the ability to speak. Yeah, there's a lot of referring the to them. These are weird. Yeah, they refer to them as mutes, and initially we were like, some of them talk. Why are you referring to them as mutes? It took us a while to realize mute was short for mutant. Yes. Um, so I was like, do they mean that some of them talk and some of them don't? Yeah. Um, and we follow Kipo, who is a person who lives in one of these little underground cities, and the the town is destroyed, and she finds herself above ground, and she doesn't know whether her family's okay, or whether anyone from the town got out okay, and she's gonna go find her family and friends, but also not get wrecked by all the stuff Mega on the surface. and the, the weird frogs, and yeah. um, Scarlet Mane. Yes. And um, stuff. But yeah. the Mega Bunnies are adorable. Yeah. Uh, and Kipo is sort of joined on the adventure by a couple of other companions. We've got um, Wolf. We've got Wolf, who is sort of streetwise above ground. Oh, I'm tough. I've you know lived on the surface type. Uh, we've got what's the the name? I can't remember the other two. I can't remember the other two's names. I feel terrible. But there is um, Bug and the other kid. Yeah, there is there is another there is another kid who is a who is a guy, and there is a. Uh, an insect that every couple of episodes goes through the various stages of metamorphosis and then back to being a child. So sometimes it's a little baby grub. You know, it can go all the way up to being a big, strong, tough thing. Yep. Elderly Don't bug. forget the awkward teenage phase. Oh, there's the old, awkward teenage phase. And then it just goes back to being a baby again. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're a really fun little crew of characters. They're very cute together. Um, and a great little family. Yeah. There are some really cool surprises in the plot that I obviously won't talk about that I, I'm super curious to see where they go. Um, and... And Mardu the pig. Yeah, Mardu the pig. Um, I think I think my the thing that impressed me most about this show is it is not, a, it is not afraid to get dark for a kid's show. Uh, there is... Particularly, there is an episode about a character's backstory... Yeah, that that is that doesn't fuck about at all. Yeah, that is that is like I I knew it was going to be dark. I was not expecting it to go the way it did. Ooh. It's like oh, they're going to do a they're going to do a turn of some. Oh, oh god, I didn't too dark, too dark, too dark, too dark. Um, totally, totally makes sense and justifies oh, yeah. the the way the character has been all season. But like they are. They are not afraid to push the boundary of what you can get away with in kids' TV. Um, like, this is definitely, uh, you know, parental guidance. You know, maybe a parent should check that this is all right before showing a kid. Yeah, maybe not two young kids. Um, like, maybe, like, teens, I guess. Yeah. Like, like teens, I guess. Uh, and, and probably sit with them. Maybe. It's a lot. It, it's a lot in places, but it's also really fun. It's got a great soundtrack. Oh, it does. Uh, the um, soundtrack, I like the, the dubstep piece. Yeah, the the soundtrack in a lot of places reminded me of stuff from, say, the um, and uh, into the Spider Verse uh, soundtrack. It had a very similar, like, um, sort of hip hop with little bits of electronica mixed mm-hmm. in. Um, it, it had a very similar feel. Yeah, which is very high praise. I fucking love the Into the Spider Verse soundtrack. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on that? I love it, and I'm very ready for more. Yeah, yeah, I need more of that show right the heck now. Heck yeah. DreamWorks continues to be doing fantastic stuff in the 
animated, family-friendly show space, because I'm pretty sure, I believe they handled um, Voltron and She-Ra as well. Mm -hmm. They're making good shit. Yeah, more of this. Uh, have you been watching anything else? No, that's it, really. Well then, time for this. No, no, we've got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you have to sometimes get up in the night to have a wee? I, I do. I, I don't like having to do that. It's, it's very cold out there. It's very cold, especially at this time of year. Oh, all the, all the drafty wind coming in. And that's, then there's nothing worse than a draft around your nevers. Oh, no. How about... And I know this is a little bit retro, but they keep coming back. They're back in fashion. How about a blanket with sleeves? Blanket with sleeves? Yeah, remember when blankets with sleeves was like a whole thing? That was a whole thing that was very popular for a while. Yeah. I mean, it was nice that they were able to mass produce blankets with sleeves because they were originally designed for people in wheelchairs who it is apparently very difficult to get a, a blanket on comfortably. That's a very good That's a very good point. It was nice to get them mass produced. Let's get them mass produced a I, bit more so they can bring the prices down. I'm always a fan when a thing that is meant for people with disabilities becomes mass produced because, ha, isn't this silly and or uh, funny as a fad? Aha, now it is available at a reasonable price for people who need it. Yeah, we're looking at you, weighted blankets. Oh, weighted blankets. Fidget spinners. Oh, fidget spinners. Oh. Slankets. Yeah, exactly. But you're saying they're also useful for me when it's cold and I need to go for a wee at night. Yeah, imagine, right? You've gone to bed, you've tucked your arms in your little sleeveys, you've probably tucked your, your fingies in a little bit. Ooh. You're all snuggly in your blanket. It comes to a time, like, it's like, oh god, it's 6am. It's not time to get up for work yet, but I do need a wee. Oh. And it's like, oh god, I've got to go into the cold, away from the snug. But what if you could take the snug with you? Oh, that's fantastic. Exactly. Blanket with sleeves. You head to the bathroom, you do your business, you can wash your hands. Oh, ha, ha. In the comfort of the blanket. And then you can just travel up to bed, having kept all the warm inside. Wonderful. Yeah. So head on over to blanketwithsleeves.lol.net and get 15% off your first order of two or more blanketwithsleeves.lol.net. Available in a range of colours. Wonderful. And it, there's even like a butt plug soup one. Oh. Because, I've, you know, I've got to have that branding on Got to have the branding. Mm -hmm. Inside the boardroom of Electronic Active Softworks. Hi, 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 hi. How's, uh, how's business been going for you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. If you, uh, you, I hear you've got a new suggestion for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So I've been looking at what our uh, competitors have been doing recently. And, yeah. uh... One one of them steamed up with uh with that fast food chicken place uh to, yeah. to deal with some of their loot box things you yeah. know do you want to play their video game uh as the corporate chicken mascot yeah uh well you're gonna have to buy a bunch of real boxes of chicken food right. to uh you know have a chance at maybe loot boxing your way into that playable character right so I've been thinking we should get on this train I think I think we need to be Contacting outside companies, getting sponsorships, getting some money from, from you know, ad deals. Right. To, you know, loot boxify other products in the world. So, I wanted your feedback. Yeah. What, what could we put loot boxes in? Well, I mean, we like the, uh, the whole gamer TM idea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know how they have a whole brand around, like, caffeine and bacon? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so how about we get, like, one of the big bacon brands on board? We'll do, like, a whole load of bacon skins, like a bacon skin for your gun, oh, bacon what, skin clothing. What if we get, like, two no, two birds with the same stone? We make a skin that is a, a, a big piece of bacon that's got, like, a, a Mountain Dew Energy gun or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a, like, Splatoon, but uh. it's just firing Mountain Dew out the end of it, and it's OP as fuck. Cause exactly. Cause we have you know. to keep selling all that brandy. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, uh, maybe maybe we we focus on uh, other things that the gamers TM seem to be really into. Um, yeah, a lot of them seem to be into this uh, Joker movie. Yeah, yeah, because they live in a society, right? They live in a society, yeah. so I hear. So maybe we just go like for every uh, one in every hundred copies of that uh, that movie, maybe let you play as that that character who's who lives in a society. Ah, no. How about this? How about this? We'll sell that. As uh, pieces of a skin, so you oh. can get like, uh, you, like instead of a hat, it'll give you like the hair and the makeup, and then like uh, you can get like a jacket, the the trousers, the shoes separately, like a specific gun or something. I don't, I don't know what uh, kind of accoutrement this uh, clown has. So you're saying someone might buy a copy of that DVD and get part of a skin, and then yeah. have to buy the DVD multiple times to finish it. Well, skin. I mean, they'll probably want to buy like the 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 advanced version of the the the. The collector's edition. Yeah, uh, like the 4K Ultra uh, edition. Uh, we, we, you know, we can take all of the stuff we've learned about video games and put it into the DVD for this thing. So I Special have, collector's edition. I have on that, that topic, I think, a final suggestion. Yeah. Maybe we do a loot box inside a different one of our other games. Right. Do you want to get the uh, the the best skin in this game? Well, buy a copy of our other game and you've got a 30% chance of getting that skin. Did I you not get it? 30 sounds like a lot. Okay, 13. How about Three. we tell them it's 30? Tell we tell them it's 30. But buy, buy multiple copies of this game that's not the one you want to play. And well, like, you two could be overpowered. Yeah, do you want to be overpowered? Just buy multiple copies of this game and maybe you'll luck out. You are a fucking genius. I know. So, huh. what have you listened to? Uh, I've not listened to much particularly new this week. Um, It's been a week for going back and listening to things I already know, just for comfort listening, because traveling, it's been a lot. I've needed, mm. I've needed me home comforts. Um, so I went back and re-listened to a load of old episodes of The Empty Bowl, which is a podcast I've talked about before. Uh, that just very calmly, very gently, very relaxedly talks about cereal over sounds of calming waves crashing. Um, and that's, you know, that's not particularly timely. I, I don't need to, you know, I'm not listening to that podcast to know up to the minute, you know, latest and greatest cereal uh, news. I don't even really eat cereal. I just find it a really relaxing comfort listen. So I've been going back through a lot of that. Uh, what about you? What have you been listening to? Uh, listen to a bunch of uh, Joe Jeremiah. Yeah. He does a whole series of a bit of okay. on YouTube. Um, this was the one we did uh, a bit of Undertale, which was like just a medley of of um, Undertale tracks. Um, there was also a bit of anime, one, two, and three, which we listened to together. Oh yes, yes. And and, and you identified a lot of the animus, which I had not heard. Um, a, uh, a bit of memes, which is uh, things like um, Smash Mouth, probably. I think Smash Mouth. Um, what? Uh, What's up by Four Non Blondes. 
uh, the Trollalol song. Yeah, stuff that all shows those, up in memes. All of those good meme tracks. Uh, and the other one was like TV, which is sort of all sorts of great um, like TV theme tunes and things, like Thomas the Tank Engine. Again, quite memey stuff. Yeah. Stuff you stuff you remember from memes slash your childhood, yeah. depending on your age. Uh, yeah, it, they they are a really good musician. Nice. And I like the stuff they do in the in in all the eight good 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 eight bit sounds. Nice. Um, in terms of other comfort podcasts, I went back to this week for the umpteenth time. I started re-listening to Welcome to Night Vale from the start. Okay. One day I will I will find the the time and I will just binge it through and actually listen to the whole thing and catch up to date. I'd love that much time. Yeah, I keep doing the thing where I'm like, oh, I don't want to jump back in in the middle, and I just start listening from episode one again. And I know those episodes; I've listened to them multiple times over at this point. I don't have to focus too much. I can just listen to Cecil Baldwin's uh, very calming voice. Mm-hmm. So that was another. That was another just nice comfort re-listen. What about you? You listen to anything else? Um. Well, yeah. I I ended. We we went out dancing. We did uh, at the weekend, and I found the room that had the the randomizer button. Randomizer button. There was a randomizer button. So if you press the button, it'll go through like a random uh, a random selection of genres and eventually stop on one. And then the DJ will, in the meantime, try and pick a tune in that genre. Which room was that? That was the the one with the cinema in it. Oh, I had no idea that was the thing in there. Yeah, they they had a so uh, they were hitting the button. There was things like Euro pop or oh. bass or rock. They played like uh, Nirvana in there at one point. Oh. That, um, that that night out we go to is a very good night out. It was lovely. Um, yeah. Got uh, Sandstorm. I think that's what got me. I was walking through. There was like. Yeah, I could, I could dance to Sandstorm being played at club level. <laughs> um, uh, the Venger bus. The Venger bus is coming. Crowd went mad for that. It was I big. mean, you would. It's a fucking <laughs> Venger bus. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I think that that was most of what what was listened to that night. Uh, for me, most of what was listened to that night was uh, I listened to a couple of ska bands, as I am known to do at this event we go to. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to name two in particular that I really enjoyed seeing live. Um, one was Mama Moonshine. Oh, I heard some of that. That was really good. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. She had a real set of pipes on her, a real mm-hmm. good voice. Um, and the other one was Town of Cats, um, who were definitely not afraid to be a little bit political and shout about things that are not quite right in, in UK politics and society right now. And mm-hmm. I love a good bit of stompy, angry political scar. Mm-hmm. So both of those, I would recommend just check them out. They're both a lot of fun. Definitely. Uh, you listened to anything else this week? That's pretty much it. Well then, time for this. Mm. Every day, bigots around the world are being silenced and no platformed. You might see them in newspaper articles, on network television, broadcast around the world to a huge audience. But they're being silenced. Their voices aren't being heard. You can help them raise their voices by sharing their bullshit on social media. Or you could just ignore them, I guess. That would prob- probably be better, right? I mean... Yeah, fuck them. Hey there, kids! Hey! 
day. Do you remember your favorite snack back from when you were younger? Oh, I'm really craving those. Do you remember the snacks? There were just too many colorings in them, but they just got rid of them. They made me so energetic. Do you remember that drink that they just stopped doing because, like, only you and, like, one other person was ever drinking it? It was my favorite thing. I loved it. Well, come on down to Temporal Imports. We can get you those missing snacks. We can ship it to you through time. Wow, I can taste the time travel. Warning, do not ingest chronosomes. They could be that for your health. Questions, Sam, Sam, questions. What's the questions? Uh, first question comes from Samuel West. You've been uploaded John-style into the internet to escape the coming apocalypse. To your horror, all the good bits of the internet are awful. Not awful. And uh, you must spend the remainder of your existence trapped in one of the two digital message, message boards that have space. Do you pick Sawbones or Vegan Beginners? Oh, oh, of course I spend, I, I get trapped in Sawbones. Because there everyone debunks all of the all of the medical things. Yeah. I would like to be in a place where nonsense gets debunked rather than uh, shared without critique. Mm-hmm. I again, I also saw bones. Yeah. Because I I I think there would be sort of a greater level of humour. The jokes I find are better in a sawbones community. Oh gosh, yeah. They uh, are. Than a, a vegan community. It's lots of uh, let's. Let let's the uh, the only animals the only was it the only way you should shoot animals is with a camera. Ha 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 ha. I mean, yeah. Please but just still let me back in. So let let me in Sawbones so I can <laughs> laugh at jokes about Pliny the Elder. Right. <laughs> Gotta laugh at Pliny. Uh, Callum Turner. Hi, Callum. Asks in the light of nearly the nearly perfect ending for the good place. Are there any pieces of media that you felt were so close to ending brilliantly, but just missed it enough to leave a bad feeling? I mean, Bojack <laughs> came up like earlier this episode. If that had ended like twenty minutes earlier, if that had ended, if that had ended with the the end the fake out first, like ah, oh, this is how it's going to end. I probably would have actually had a lot more praise for that show. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I don't actually remember it. Yeah. All I remember is how I felt at the time. So I could be completely wrong about this if I watched it again now. The ending of Battlestar. Mm. The the most recent series of Battlestar Galac Galactica rather than the original. Yeah. Um, Like, first few series, really enjoyed. Uh, enjoyed some of the, like, uh, feature length stuff. But because I didn't watch it at the time, didn't quite know where those feature-length episodes were supposed to go. So sometimes that was a bit weird. Uh, there was, like, just the, the episodes as a whole were going really, really well. Mm. And I was like, cool. And I watched the final season, which I think is season six. And I was like, cool. That was that that was, that was was a good end to that. And then I watched The Plan. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> um, I feel very bad about this. It was yeah. not good. Uh, slightly connected, but not quite the question answers. Um, one that, like, definitely didn't stick its landing, but, like, it wasn't the last episode. It was a long time before that that it started not hitting the landing. Lost always comes to mind. Mm. Like, the the final season of Lost uh, was the mm. problem, not the final episode. Well, I suppose that was the, the ending, I guess. Yeah. And um, on one that I think did stick the landing just as well as uh, The Good Place, if you've not watched it... Um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I think, has a very similar level of completely satisfying ending that feels 
justified and earned and really good and cathartic and, you know, you have a little cry and it's really beautiful. That, that is a show, like, I recognise its early couple of seasons feel a little traditional um, relationship comedy drama. Mm. It really, there's a couple of seasons in, it starts really ramping up uh, its quality and its ending is fantastic. Uh, what's the next question? Uh, next question is from Dan James Dungeon Kitty. Uh, what's your favourite potato dish? And can I have a hug? Uh, yeah, here's a hug. Uh, um, favourite potato dish? Just a good, a good portion of chips with like a crispy outside, fluffy inside. Maybe a little bit of like a little bit of like spicy chilliish powder or oh. something on it. Uh, with a with just a nice ketchup. Mm. Just go mm. real simple. Maybe have like maybe have a couple of different sauces to dip your your fries in. Have some you know some barbecue sauce, some sweet chili sauce, some ketchup. You know, just just a good portion of crispy on the outside, fluffy on the inside, fries and sauce. Mm-hmm. Good call. I would go with uh, a slice of toast, thick layer of mayonnaise, mm-hmm. uh, leftover mashed potato from the night before. Mm. Like smash that on about an inch and a half thick <laughs> Cover the whole thing in grated cheese and pepper And then shove it under the grill Oh, nice It's really good So many carbs yeah. It's a lot of carbs, but it is really good um, Not had it in a while, actually Might have to Treat invest yourself. in a potato uh, Tricky asks uh, In the movie The Day After Tomorrow There is a fun bit where the survivors argue About which works of classical literature they should burn first in order to stay warm. <laughs> they expand that. Uh, let's expand that to video games. Which game would you burn first in order to literally stay alive? Uh, so it's got to be something that's had a physical release. Yeah. Um, so I can't burn the works of Digital Homicide. <laughs> that's fair. I think I could probably, you know, burn some of... Um, mm. A cod. Yeah. Probably burn some, burn some Call of Duties. Um... Not the first one. I quite enjoyed the first one. <laughs> um, physical copies of Minecraft. We can burn those. There are physical copies of Minecraft? Yes, that got physical releases on a bunch of stuff uh, on consoles. I know there's like a Switch cartridge for it. Yeah, we'll burn some physical copies of Minecraft. Um, I feel like burning anything Switch-related is going to just just lots of choking fumes. Well, maybe. But we'll just, you know, <laughs> cover our mouths during that bit. <laughs> Um, um, I'm trying to think of any other games with creators who've turned out to be real bad. Uh, Night in the Woods. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably Night. In the... As much as it pains me, probably Night in the Woods. Uh, we could burn some of Peter Molyneux stuff, probably. Yeah. Burn copies of Fable Three. I I think there have probably been so many free copies of Mist given away, <laughs> like in cereal and newspapers yeah. and stuff. Probably burn some of the copies of Mist. I'm not saying we get rid of Mist entirely. No, uh, burn a bunch of like uh, cereal box freeware as well. Oh yeah, a lot of that. Although some of that is quite charming. Yeah, um, yeah. some some of the Burger King games. All those Burger King ones are all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that'll do us. That'll keep us warm for a few hours. Um. Bethany Turner asks, uh, what are the most beautiful places you've ever been to? And what beautiful places do you hope to someday visit? Ooh, uh, do you have any answers for this? Ooh, Peak District was very pretty. Oh, Peak District is very pretty. Um, there's, 
there, there's a woodland near where I used to live that I used to oh. love wandering around. And um, the first time I went there, I might have been a little bit inebriated. Everything was <laughs> slightly more colourful than usual and very pretty. I and, see, uh, I see. And I sort of spied a deer across, oh. across, across this this like beautiful open like um field with like really long grass mm. um and just like little patches of like big really old trees mm-hmm. and then i just sort of walking it was all quite magical anyway and then it just sort of stopped completely froze up just looked into like this little opening in the trees just that sort of led along a path sort of into the actual undergrowth mm. and there was just a deer standing there just looking out like Hello. I was like, fucking hell, I'm, I live near deer. <laughs> what? That was cool. <coughs> um, one physical location that I remember being really sort of awe-inspiring to, to look out from was um, when I was out in Melbourne a couple of years ago. Um, of all places, it was some corporate building, and I know this doesn't sound like the start of a beautiful place to be, um, but we were on, like, the 25th, 20th, 25th, 30th floor, like, real high up. And you know me, I like I like views from very tall places. Um, and, like, this floor had just all clear glass walls around all the sides. There was no physical, like, visible uh, ob- uh, obstructions to your view. And I could just see on this lovely sunny day out across, like, pretty much all of Melbourne in all directions. And... It was a really beautiful sight. Like the the sun had gone down just enough to create this beautiful golden glow across the whole city, and that view stuck with me for years. Mm. Um, also, that 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 big hill near us oh that, God, that yeah. is near the large amount expanse of flat. Yeah, and you could just sit up there and just see for miles, and that's quite beautiful. Yep. Also, in a similar story of seeing a beautiful thing while maybe slightly inebriated. Uh, that festival we went to last year, Ooh, looking yeah. out over those rolling hills, all the over the valleys, over Somerset. Well, everything was just slightly colourful. Yeah, it was very. Pretty. That that was a real beautiful thing to see. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the clouds were great. I think it was probably 1987 or 89. I went to a woodcraft folk camp. Oh. And they took us to Western Park. I have no idea where that is. It's somewhere <laughs> in the UK. And just one night, they they would they were like keeping all the barbecue, uh, barbecues, all the the bonfires really really low. Mm. There's no like lights or anything, like floodlights or anything from nearby. And the moon was like really bright. Yeah. So you could just see and walk around really fucking easily, and just just the view of the sky without mm. all the light pollution, just how much you could yeah. see of just like. On, Milky Way. on a similar note, um, I stayed at like a little cottage in the Lake District, uh, far enough away from things that there was very little light pollution, and there was a hammock outside, and I just lay in this hammock looking up at this like no light pollution blocking sky, oh. looking out at the clouds on a clear night. That was gorgeous. Um, what about places you want to go? I'd say Canada. I've always wanted to go and see. I've like... always wanted to go to Canada as well. Canada. Canada's the big one I would love to go and see. There was a period of my life when I wanted to go and drive chains across Canada just so I could go, isn't it amazing? And I get to see it. I mean, I'd be super up for just taking some long train journeys across Canada with you. 
And just looking out the windows at beautiful bits of Canada on trains. Oh, heck. That's a that's a thing I'd be up for. Ooh. Well, maybe one day we'll have... In- invite the, the two of us to do a Queer and Pleasant Strangers <laughs> panel in Canada. <laughs> Someone invite us to Canada. <laughs> and get me a passport. Oh, God, it'll have to be blue now. <laughs> Actually, you've got a year to still get a red one. Right, quick. I better get my pass- fucking passport in now. Uh, Bird asks, uh, if you were an NPC in a video game, what would be some of your lines? Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. <laughs> Greetings, stranger, most queer and pleasant. <laughs> Remember, until next time, be a stranger. Uh, are we just the queer and pleasant strangers NPCs? Yeah, I guess we are the queer and yeah. pleasant NPCs. You, you welcome. We we operate like a little shop somewhere in the game, and you welcome them in, and then I, you know, say goodbye to them as they leave. I mean, I've worked in retail, so I've been an NPC. Yeah. I've I've had the. This is your line to answer the phone. This is what you say when people come into the shop. Yeah. Can I, I help you at all? I, I, I like that vision Have of a us. Good day. I like the vision that as as they enter the shop, you say <laughs> your line, you go, Welcome, strangers, queer and pleasant. I say, Until next time, be a stranger, as they leave. Yeah, I love I, it. That's I think it. that's quite cute. We run, the, we run the queer and pleasant sex shop. Uh, Larry Yellingenby asks If a caucus goes wrong, does that count as a cork up? <laughs> Yes. Uh, that that particular caucus <laughs> recently was definitely a bit of a cork up. Uh, Chrono Hellraiser asks, uh, what are some of your favourite Indian food dishes? Oh, um, what's that tomato one I like? Uh, tikka masala. I like a good tikka masala. Mm-hmm. What about you? What do you, you like? You like a garlic naan as well. Garlic I, naan I do like a good garlic naan. I wish I could get a good garlic naan that was vegan. Yeah. Bloody hell, I love naan bread. Yeah, naan bread is great. Mm, it's we, need so some, we need some good, good garlic. We need some good vegan naan recipes. Yeah, just like a vegan naan with like a uh, vegetable tikka masala oh. like wrapped up inside it and then just eat it like a, a weird Indian burrito. That sounds amazing. Right? Yeah, a little bit of uh, coconut rice in there. Oh, coconut rice is great. Uh, Bombay aloo, I fucking love Bombay aloo. Cu- couple of couple of um, onion bhajis. Oh, I love sagaloo as well. Oh yeah, I love I, I, I love me some spinach <laughs> with flavor, fry, fried spinach with flavorings. <laughs> um, what else? I think that's usually all. That's the most uh, vegetable samosa. Yeah. Um, one I, I used to like. There's the um, uh, oh, prawn something. Fall. Not a fall. Oh, um, um, dal? No, that's le- lentil. Uh, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it, uh, pour, prawn puri. Sorry. Uh, um, that's really good, but I, you know, vegan, funnily enough. You know what's underrated and I think is great? A good korma can be lovely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, so a, a properly spiced korma where it's got, like, a, a, enough of a depth of flavour can be real lovely a real depth of flavour a really good scent on it and yeah just like nice and creamy it, and, but it's... so many I think too many people get obsessed with gotta have the hottest thing gotta yeah. gotta, gotta gotta tough it out gotta be the hardest yeah. exactly but I'm like no you can you can put some wonderful flavours in a korma and you know it's lovely mm-hmm. uh, Daniel Thomas asks um mm, uh, if this is too serious, then ignore me. But why are you so anti-police? Genuinely intrigued. As a personally, fi- uh, think I, uh, as personally, I think I'd like to think that they that most are in the force to help, despite there being sadly some terrible apples. Um, my perspective on this is definitely 
shaped by the fact that I had two police parents. Um, I I grew up very much in a pro-police household, and I I can see that, like, the police as an institution are useful to have in certain scenarios. Um, it's good in, like, a situation with, where a dangerous crime is actively ongoing to have someone that can come and help. Hmm. However, um, a lot of my fear and disdain around the police as a force stems from systemic issues of prejudice that are not just isolated incidents, they happen repeatedly, they demonstrably are problems that, like, uh, how do I put this? Um, um, it's been demonstrated by study after study that police, as a as a whole, can get a little power trippy on the power they have. They are generally considered above the law as it applies to other people. And as a result, uh, it leads to things that, like, are shockingly common, like planting drugs on people to get arrests and, you know, falsifying evidence and stuff like that. Um, on top of that, there is the by-the-letter way that they are required to enforce laws, whether they believe those laws are ethical or not, can be a problem. Um... And that's like, my big issue with them, that they are basically upholding laws very often that are unjust. Yeah. It's it, it's a it's a ridiculous situation where like if you look at things that were legal a few decades ago, for example, um it was totally legal to, you know, uh there there were no laws preventing um harassment and attacks based on race, for example. And I mean, if you live in America, there doesn't seem to be that anyway now. Yeah, they but, the, the fact that they routinely gun down yeah. uh, black civilians. Exactly. But you've got things you've got situations where like People are doing things that are harming no one that history is ultimately going to look back on and go, that was a bad law that probably should have been gotten rid of. But because you're police and it is the law, you have to enforce it whether you like it or not. The fact that in the um, time, in, in times of policing cuts, such as we're seeing in the UK at the moment, particularly, the police that remain are there to protect private property. Mm. Um, they are there to enforce laws for uh, basically people who are are rich and and can afford to live a a nicer happier life when uh, you know we need to we need to be a bit more socialist yeah. about things and, and then there's you know look around the world at um the many 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 terrible stories of um police shooting unarmed uh minorities and um people uh, police who murder people who were innocent and get zero jail time. Police who uh, took disabled protesters' um, disability equipment away from them. Yeah, and here's the thing, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in no way saying abolish the police entirely as a concept, um, because I think that, like, there, you know, there have been times in my life where I've called the police, where I've needed the police, but I think yeah. that we need serious major reform in the way that policing is done, because right now it is not prioritizing protecting the people, it is prioritizing protecting those in power and 
making it so that police are basically untouchable no matter what they do. Yeah. And it and and the the fact that they will protect each other. Yeah. So someone gets in trouble, they've done something genuinely wrong. Oh, we're going to put them on gardening leave for a little while. Yeah. They might not lose their job. They might get put in a slightly different department for a little while. They might yeah. end up coming back somewhere else. It's um, it's 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 not good. There's a real reluctance to go. You seriously fucked up. You need to face consequences yeah. for this. The whole thing is corrupt. It needs to be ripped apart and start again. Yeah. And again, this is the point. It's like I'm not saying no police ever in the world. We should abolish all law enforcement at all. No, we, they... need, we need protection for people for for the vulnerable yeah we... not for for those who uh you know are just going well i can pay you be my private police force yeah Look it's after my property i Look i after think my interest i think when we say like you know fuck the police it can, it can come across as we don't want there to be anything enforcing laws just you know chaos and whatnot but it's like no we don't like the fact that right now the police as an institution is basically set up to be not reliably safe for the people most vulnerable and in need of it to make use of. Like, it's... You look at, like, America right now. I know black people in America who have gone, if I have a crime happen, I don't feel safe calling the police about it. No, because they might turn up and shoot you. They might turn up and shoot me. Like, it's... You know, we need major reform so that people who... That minority groups can basically safely rely on the police to help them rather than feeling at risk of that of the police making bad decisions and then getting away scot-free. And then there's other parts of the world where there are vast amounts of corruption in the police force. Like we've got friends who've recently gone to Goa and they've been talking about like there are like sections of the police over there that will specifically target certain types of terrorists. Mm. They will be stripping them. They will be, uh, you know, harassing them for money in the street. They will make them unpack all their shit in the street. They might try and search them in yeah. the street. Just generally, as a concept, I think that the police need more uh, external oversight and need to be held more accountable. Yeah. Um, like I, I would say, like things that need to happen. If a police officer kills someone who is not guilty of a crime, they should be tried for manslaughter or murder. Yeah. Like, they should not be able to get away with... A bad should not oh, be licensed to kill. Yeah. Exa- that is exactly it. Like, I think that's the big problem is... you it, Being a police... It, there's this whole thing that comes up time and time again when police do bad things where it's like, oh, well, you know, the, the pressure of... Uh, fearing for their own safety, they acted in self-defense. It's like no. Yeah, but you say that, and then you have people who've been in active war zones, and I, I also have problems with the military. But these, when they can come back and go, hey, I had to be trained not to fucking shoot civilians. Yeah. And um, what, what are you? Yeah, police need more training to properly assess situations and to not harm innocent bystanders. But like. They or need not to use it as an excuse. Yeah. Or that's it. Just not be able to use it as an excuse of... It's like, hey, I can understand how a civilian, when faced with the situation where you were in, might have acted the way you did. But you need to be held to a higher standard. You a are. A much higher standard. And you, not just, yeah. I saw a brown person, I had to shoot them. Yeah, yeah. Like, Especially so- not when you see the same like the, the same police officers where they... Like, oh. they the, the number of times you'll see, like... Oh, well, there was this black guy. He was seen hurrying away from the scene of a crime, so they shot him. They shot him in the back and he was innocent. They shot him in the back, he was innocent, he was just late for work or something. Or they they shot a random kid because they thought he looked a bit like somebody else. But 
can then go, oh yeah, well we've been, uh, we've had this guy locked up uh, uh, in in this building. He's been taking pot shots at us all morning, but we managed to take him in because oh, he didn't have a lot of melanin. The, honestly, the most depressing thing and the thing that gives me the most um, disdain towards the police is seeing the frequency with which um, non-white people are shot when innocent by police versus. Um, every single time a white mass shooter um, is on the run, they are always taken in alive. Yeah, how did they you manage always... to bring them in? How did you manage to keep you calm yeah. through that? Eh? They always manage to bring white mass, uh, like white terrorist mass shooters, in alive. Black people, oh no, we had to shoot them. Yeah, we panicked and shot them. And it's 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 this kind of shit that needs serious reform. Absolutely. And again, I have police officer parents who both used to be police officers. Neither of them are anymore, but I love them. I appreciate the the work they did. I think they were doing the right work for the right reasons. But that doesn't change my feelings on the system as a whole being broken. Uh, and like the question asked just said, you know, I'm sure there are okay police officers who have gone into it for the, the sense of wanting to do, yeah. you know, justice and right and protect the innocent and whatever else. But it really feels very not all men Yeah, at that point. Well, also, like, one last point I wanted to make was uh, on that whole point of having to enforce laws because they exist, not because you think they're moral. Like, I I struggle to empathise with someone who, let's say, is on an evening beat of work and every hour is having to wake up homeless people who are not bothering anyone away from everyone else and move them on. Hmm. Or take away their signs that they're using to try and get or some money to eat. Or take away their property uh, or yeah, stop. Often taking away their tents, their sleeping bags the very few possessions they actually have. That's one of those situations where I'm like, that's you doing a... Th you're, you're enforcing the law, but I wouldn't say you're doing a moral thing. No. And, you know, that's... Those are the kind of actions I watch police do and go, this is... This is something that needs serious reform. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there are other questions, but you're flagging a bit and we've still got to do skits, so... Yeah, sorry. It's okay, darling. It's okay. Apologies to anyone whose questions I didn't make it to. My voice is struggling tonight. I will save them for next week, promise. So, time for this. Time for this. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Racial justice warriors. Racial justice warriors. Yeah. yeah. All right, Barry. All right, Barry. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I'm, I'm quite low and gravelly. Yeah, I'm not going to have to pitch you down this week, yeah. am I? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, how's, how's your week, mate? <laughs> yeah, not too bad, mate, not too bad. You uh, been up so much? Ah, as you know, as I do, as I do. I've been, you know, having a ponder, seeing what's on them social medias and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, anything come up? Uh, I've seen that uh, You Shall Not Be Named uh, Turf Man Extraordinaire has been about again recently. Uh, you know, not that one. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I hear they no-platformed him onto Newsnight the other night. Oh, yes, yes. I have no platform, no platform. Totally see me silenced. on Newsnight talking about how I've been silent. Yeah, I saw him be also being silent in the Times this week. Yes, yes. He's been silenced in some He's been silenced by the trans cabal this time. Oh, know. yeah. So this is what he was on about. He, yeah, was, yeah, he was talking yeah. about how uh, well, his latest crusade has been trying to find a list of doctors that will, uh, you know, he's, he's been very careful with his wording, but he's been trying to make a list of doctors that, while being 
careful about the wording. We'll re- support conversion therapy. We'll support conversion therapy. We'll we'll support parents of trans kids who who maybe want what's not best for their kid and to force their kid back into the closet. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, hasn't there been like a series of t- studies done on that showing that actually it's really bad for people and oh, ultimately repeatedly, causes a huge amount of harm. Every major scientific study has basically said, hey, if you've got a kid or a teen who is, uh, you know, uh, who is trans, the best thing to do is to be supportive and to say, hey, feel free to explore how you're feeling. Affirming. It'd be affirming, that's the word. Yeah. And then on top of that, if that persists, support them with things like, um, you know, uh, puberty blockers, which are, are a reverse. Puberty blockers? I've heard things about those uh, recently. Well, I should probably debunk some of those things. Yeah. Most of their changes are totally reversible, and they basically just buy a person time to, you know, not get hit with the puberty they don't want until they reach 18 and society goes, yeah, you're old enough to make that choice now. You know, Gary, isn't that used only for cancer treatment on late-stage uh, prostate cancer? Oh, uh, so there's, there's, a, there's a statistic I see go around all the time which is this thing of, uh, oh, puberty blockers have a high rate of correlation with death by cancer. Don't want to give this to your teens, it'll make them die of cancer. No, the reason why they've got a high correlation to deaths by cancer is because they're given to a lot of uh, cancer patients to extend their lives. So a lot of people who already have cancer have given them. It's yeah. not that they cause cancer. No. No, but... um, Correlation is not equal causation. Exactly. But the thing what I wanted to talk about is over the, you know, over past decades, we've had the conversion therapy fight before, you know. Oh, yes. Very much so with uh, with, with gay, pe- gay and lesbian and bisexual people. Which has been shown repeatedly to not to work. And indeed, a lot yeah. of the people involved in these things have ended up coming out themselves and going, I'm terribly sorry for the harm that I've done. Well, this is it. Like, if you look at all of the studies over the decades of... Uh, gay conversion therapy, it basically boils down to, you can shame someone into hiding who they are, but eventually they're either gonna, you know, reject it and go, fuck it, this is who I am, you you know, and break out of it. Or they're going to die. Or they're gonna kill themselves or die, yeah. So, conversion therapy doesn't work. You cannot convert someone from from gay to straight, and, you know, that's a thing that we as a society have have largely, you know, we've learned, you know. We we recognise that conversion therapy is not a thing that is effective or that actually works, but we're seeing that conversation come up again with trans people. Well, trans people have recently become the whole like, the new the, the new fight on, on yeah. the part of uh, certain fundamentalist types who are, uh, you know, very much looking to b- break up the LGBT. Yeah. And, and, and as with, you know, gay conversion therapy, you can't force someone to not be trans. Indeed. You know, and you're you're either going to, you know, push them into, them into the closet. Yeah. You force them into the closet and, you know, they'll either come back out later or they won't, which is horrible. But, uh, yeah, what we need is we need people who, you know, if you're someone out there who knows that gay conversion therapy is a bad idea, it's a thing that shouldn't be supported, you need to be just as vocal and just as loud about the fact that trans conversion therapy is a bad thing too. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it is, a, is a battleground that's going to be all the more important over the next couple of years and we really need to be loud and vocal about. Yeah, the conservative right wing are being, well, very dangerous full stop really at the moment and it's, uh, it's very concerning. Hopefully, hopefully things can be worked out and we can we can try and get things on a better even keel, but we do need to all fight together and we do need to understand that 
you can't believe everything that these right-wingers are telling you and, you know, anyone who claims to be, you know, all concerned for, for this and that and the other, and they're not, though. It's it's all concern trolling. It's all just using uh, one group as a, as a wedge. Very often children. Yeah. You know, we're hearing all the same arguments now about trans people that we heard about gay people for decades beforehand. And it is the same fight over and over. The the conservatives have just shifted their focus. Yeah. You fancy that, mate? I could do with it. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. I'm feeling much closer to you than I was last week. Yeah. Ah, ah, nice, good hug, mate, good hug. Good hug. Shall I uh, put the kettle on? Yeah, have that cup of tea. Nice, nice. Laura? Me? Where can we find you on the internet, darling? Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. You can find everything I publish on laurakbuzz.com, be that written articles, videos, podcasts, uh, freelance features. Other than that, I've got some books. There is uh, Uncomfortable Labels. It's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. That is available right now wherever books are sold. Or you can find it on... Uh, you can find it as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. Uh, Things I Learned from Mario's Butt is going to be out later this year. Uh, if you check my Twitter, we have the first page layouts for the for the book. And they look great. Yeah, I really like the, the art design that we've mm-hmm. got. Other than that, I'm, I'm on some podcasts. Pixel Squirt, it is a video game porn review podcast. Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast that I'm on. I'm on season three, four, five, six, and soon season seven. What about you, Jane? Where are you on the internet? I'm on uh, Twitter and YouTube as Maniac Janiac. I'm on SoundCloud as Janeris Magnet, or you can just look for Stoned Monkey Radio. But speaking of Stoned Monkey Radio, I also write things at stonedmonkeyradio.blog. My Patreon is Stoned Monkey Radio, so if you want to send me as little as a dollar a month, you can help me be silly forever. Imagine if I could do more sillies and actually have time to play games so that I could review them and and stuff. Imagine that world. That'd be nice, huh? Anyway, uh, if you don't fancy committing to a, a lifetime of, or, or even a month's worth of, of dollar a month donations, there is uh, paypal.me slash Magnet if you fancy sending me a one-off. Always uh, super appreciated. SoundCloud, Janeris Magnet. I think I might have already mentioned that one. Redbubble. You can look for Stoned Monkey Radio on there. You can get yourself a Spookarka t-shirt or a, a butt plug soup on a number of different products, such as t-shirts, but who knows what else, like bath mats and such. I think that's all of it. Thank you very much for joining us. Laura! Sing that, darling. Until next time, be a stranger. I will. <laughs>